Two weeks ago, we kind of started something here, and I want to continue on in that. We took a break from it for Mother's Day, and uh, what a great service that was. Appreciate that, uh, just the good testimonies and the good presence of God. Thank God for just godly moms that are praying. Amen. God bless you. I'm praying for you. But we are going to turn to John 6, and... Um, As we turn to that, let's ask God to help us today. God, help us, we pray. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of it, God. And I pray that you would put it into our hearts and our lives, God. Lord, strengthen us and build us up, God. Help us, Lord, to just follow you, God, and that you would work in our lives, continue to just work in a special way in this service, I need you today, God. I need you to guide and direct every word that I speak, Lord, that it not only would be your heart, but it would be delivered in a right spirit, God, and that you would just work in a great way. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. 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 John 6, verse 63. Jesus just got done teaching some things that were so hard to hear the way he delivered it that people started walking out. I know everybody wants to say, hey, preacher, you need to come across the right way. I'll do my best. But sometimes the Spirit of God is working in a way that's going to challenge you. And he was doing that. And he was saying things that they did could just not wrap their minds around because they were looking at it in a carnal way, in a natural way. A lot of times, even today, churches say, oh, they didn't understand that. And they, they still look at it. He wasn't talking natural. They started walking out the door. He ends up looking at his own disciples. He didn't say, oh, please, please, please. I'll try to come up with a better way to say it. I'll, I'll try to have a better personality. I'll try to learn how to, how to speak better words. And he said, are you going to? But Peter said, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Jesus said in verse 63, it is the spirit that quickeneth. It's the spirit that makes life. And makes us alive. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, that's the word of God, they are spirit and they are life. God bless you. You can be seated. We told you two weeks ago that so much of the problems that we have today in religious circles are that so many are approaching the Bible improperly they're looking at it with a carnal understanding remember just another kind of example jesus comes up starts preaching about farm life about a farmer that sows seed he plants seed and how the birds you got to figure out a way to get rid of those birds because they're going to come by and pluck up the seed before it, it on the hard packed earth. But, you know, there's stony ground and there's thorny ground and everybody walks away. And then the disciples say, feel like there's something else going on here. And Jesus said, I wasn't talking about dirt and seeds. You're they're looking at this in a natural way and it's hidden from their eyes. But the words that I'm speaking are spiritual words. This is something that we need to recognize in this day that we're living in, 
that when Jesus himself would come and love and heal and forgive and bless and 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 just be so incredible in all that he does and fulfill scripture to the T it was the religious leaders that had to try to convince the government leaders to crucify him. We want to hang him up on a cross by nails, humiliated, bloodied, and beaten, that he would die an excruciating, shameful death. And it was the religious folks that stirred the crowd up. What is the problem? There is a improper approach to the Bible. That the people say, oh, I'm going to tell you something. I know this person, I had somebody recently. Listen, this person studies the Bible. You can study the Bible and miss it. I'm not against studying the Bible. But if you don't understand the spiritual nature of these words, so much confusion, so many people at odds with one another because of their traditions and their 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 own their own ideas it's not biblical interpretation I have seen countless, countless times, and I know many of you have as well, trying to go back and talk to somebody about the Bible. Well, we don't do it that way in our church. No, we're good. Just, just look at what the Bible says. Yeah. Well, I've never, I've never seen. Are you saying all these people are wrong? Well, I'm not saying anything. I'm just, let's look at what the Bible says. Yeah. You think you're the only one? Of course not. But no, wait, we're not. We're getting way off the point of just, let's look at what the Bible really says yeah, sure. in its context and in its purpose. Jesus came to them and said, the words that I speak unto you are spirit and they're like, and if we come to God, we need to recognize that this is more than just a code of ethics. Those of you that talked about how great of a, of a life and identity God gave you, it wasn't you saying, I'm going to make up my mind to change some things, try harder to be a better person, but God took you. That's why the Bible talks about you're born of the flesh, born naturally, but you must be born again. That birth of the water and the spirit. If you look at things naturally, you see, oh, people doing things. I don't even like doing that. But when you start saying, God, there are some things in me that I'm not happy with. And I need help. And I've tried everything, God, to try to be better. And the only way I get through this life is try to numb myself up one way or another. But Lord, I want you to, I want to be saved. You find how God comes in and starts getting down into your heart. And you know what? I never once, and your testimonies just were so awesome about it. Never once said, okay, I'm just going to, just going to, I guess, give up this thing that I love so much. But God just starts working and saying, I've got something so much better for you. My life has improved. We've grown. Amen. I look at some people, even people that have have gone through religious kind of uh, churches, if you will, traditions of men and uh, many, many more years than me even. And I look at some of the things they're 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 loving in this world that God took out of me. I think how sad, how foolish it is. It sounds so childish because God's given us so much better. Amen. Amen. I know there's a lot of people saying, well, you know. 
I'm okay. I'm doing good. I pray. I, and we talked about how it's got to be more than just a religious observance. Matthew 7 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking about people that can point to credentials. How many times I've seen people just still living a life just so empty of life. And you want to help them and you want to, to show them that God cares about you and wants to take you and, and, and be a, a friend and a father to you and, and make you fulfill your life. Right. How many know what I'm talking about? We talk about being filled with the Spirit, but He'll fulfill you right. to where you say, you know what, this is what I've been looking for. Yep. Right. I hear people say, well, listen, don't, don't you judge me. I pray. I read my Bible sometimes. Not everyone, Matthew seven twenty one, saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Right. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Right. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Right. And in thy name cast out devils, in thy name done many wonderful works. Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Yes, we talked two weeks ago about the Spirit of God, that because of the death of Jesus on the cross, His death that took our place, He paid our price. He took every law that was against us, every sin that we had committed, and and died with that cross and paid the penalty for that. And Bible tells us that because of Jesus, now His Spirit will dwell within us. The very first message there on the day of Pentecost, after his death, burial, and resurrection, they come and said, what shall we do? said, turn from your sins in repentance. Amen. Bury that old life in the name of Jesus Christ in water baptism for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It really is pointing to that baptism. That Jesus just spoke a chapter before in in Acts 1 and said, this is what we told you before. This is what John said, that I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and in fire. This promise is unto you. Don't you get discouraged. I understand. It just seems like it should be so easy. But you know what we do well? And please don't take this the wrong way. But you and me both understand we make things more complicated than they need to be. Sometimes, the, and we might talk about it tonight a little while, the mind games and the, the second guessing and the, the, the mistrusting of our own selves rather than just saying, ah, I'm just going to believe God. I've got faith and I don't care. I believe God no matter what just comes into my mind and, and, and I'm going to believe it. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to praise God. And we, uh, we get these battles and, and that's not so uncommon, trust me. All right, yeah. But God's going to do it. God's going to fill you. He wants to fill you. And we took some time two weeks ago and talked about how we begin in the spirit. The Bible says, don't think you can grow or be perfected or finish the race in your own flesh. See what happens. Some of you that are saying, I want God to fill me and I I want to, I want it to happen yesterday. Trust me, there's others that are in this church that have, that have it, if I can say it that way, that ex- have experienced this, but they've kind of settled into kind of a pre-baptism routine. All 
I know sometimes people pray like they don't know what power they have. Amen. They live their lives. They come to church. They worship God. And it's just routine rituals, just doing and saying uh, in obedience and, and, and all of that. There's nothing wrong per se, but it's empty without the spirit of God. You've got to engage. It's like saying, oh, I listen, I spent an hour and a half with my wife. In fact, it was 93 minutes because I was looking at the time. Don't tell me I don't love her. And uh, how do you know the time? Well, honestly, I, I had a lot of things I had to pay attention to on my phone, and the time's right there. That's church to a lot of people. I'm praying and I'm worshiping, but where's your heart? Is it engaged with God's spirit? We must worship him. Must. Somebody say must. Jesus said we must worship him. How? In spirit and in truth. Spirit. Our spirit's got to connect and engage with his spirit. You can sing all the hymns and say amen with 14 syllables, but it does not matter if the spirit's not in it. It's what we're trying to accomplish in in our worship services. We really don't want you to, it to be easy. And that puts people off. And they I don't like that. Because they're used to being, you know, uh, I'm not engaging my spirit. I've got a hymnal right here. You notice it's upside down. Got, you know, I'm saying every syllable. Right? On key. Beautiful. It's like reading a Hallmark card. It, it's not from your heart. Amen. Somebody told me about... Somebody, they saw out the card store, they were looking for cards, and, and there was an old couple, and a uh, man picked up a card, just a cute, cute older couple, and handed to his wife, and showed her, and she looked at it, he said, if I was going to get you one, that's the one I'd get you. <laughs> she, he, she handed it back to him, he put it back, and they walked off. <laughs> you know, we can do better than that with Jesus. We can put our hearts into loving him, and what happens is, we get in a routine and forget the spirit. It's easy just to go through the motions, keep your mind on other things. But when you're really loving God, when you're really just just loving him and you're saying the words that you're saying are 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 sincere and honest and and you're listening with with intent to get it down into your heart. Jesus said, "Let these words sink down into your hearts." Yeah. We talked about how our prayer, and even our time together. I think it's so focused on things that it reminds me of, of the playground at school. Right. You know, little cliques and picking on people. And Did you see what they were today? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 you know, you're so much better than everybody else. We get it. Yeah. God's not in that. Yes. God's not in that. He said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. That makes me have to come in here and think, God, these are your children. So everything we do has to be in the spirit. We went over that two weeks ago on Sunday, talked about our worship and our prayer. And I told you that there's, there's some things we need to be aware of on the other side of that coin. All right. This, what I'm going to talk to you about, is, is an aspect of the spirit 
of God. And I don't know how much we're going to get through. I'm not going to take a whole lot of time, but I don't want to rush through some things. But there's an aspect of being in the spirit, if I can say it that way, walking in the spirit, living in the spirit, letting the spirit of God just guide and direct our lives and be present in our conversations, in our in our prayer, in our worship, in our in our fellowship that God is there. Amen. I'm not just talking about speak. You know, some people think being in the spirit just means you're 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 speaking in tongues and and just not. Uh, no, no, no. I'm talking about God just being engaged in your life and every. That's walking in the spirit. Acts the the seventh chapter. This part of an understanding of the spirit of God working and moving through our lives is something I think a lot of people either willingly ignore or just don't believe. And it's Bible. It's, uh, and it's reasonable. Acts 7, there's a young man named Stephen. And he's just on fire for God. He's doing everything he can do. You know, God's going to open doors for you if you let him. God's going to work in a way. Keep your... Keep your eyes and your ears open and let the Spirit of God whisper into your heart and direct you. He's going to, to, to work through you. And Stephen is, uh, is being confronted by some religious folks. Yes, they don't like the way he's doing it. And he starts to respond to them and starts to go back and, and uh, talk to them about the history, the rich history of the Jewish people in their covenant with God. Now, I've heard it taught already that this is a way Paul used sometimes to just try to get their attention because they love the, to be able to say, hey, they, we are Abraham's children. We're part of this covenant. Who do you think you are? They had a lot of self-righteousness in that. And to refer to their pedigree was kind of buttering them up. But Stephen was pointing out over and over and over again, hey, God called us and God worked in our family tree. And God was so awesome. And God brought Moses. Oh, Moses. We love Moses. We honored Moses. Yeah. Did you see how they treated him? Did you read it? They're always talking about going back, talking about stoning him, going back to Egypt. And, and, and on and on he goes through and says, which of the prophets didn't our people stone and persecute, throw in prison? We've been rebellious all along. And here Jesus comes to just love us and to, to give us this chance to get some things right out of our own proud, self-righteous minds that are resisting him. Look what he says. Acts seven fifty one. He kind of brings it down. The way I see it. I know it's a long chapter. I turned to Acts 7. Now you hear. <laughs> 51. So the way I see it, it just seems like Stephen is seeing their their response or lack of response to what he's preaching. And he just, it just kind of comes to a head right here. And verse 51, he just says, you stiff neck, you stubborn. Listen, he uses their own prideful terminology. They had a covenant with God and this covenant 
had a token of circumcision. And that was there. They didn't have anything. They didn't, they didn't have to love people. They didn't have to forgive people. They didn't have to be a blessing in their community, but they could stand up and say, Hey, listen, we are the children of God and we have the token of this covenant. And he said, you're stubborn. And he says that they're uncircumcised in heart. (laughs) You don't have the covenant in your heart and in your ears. You still have flesh that needs to be cut away in your heart and in your ears. You can't hear God because what you have is natural, but you don't have the spiritual. Amen. And now listen to this. This is important for us. You do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did. So do ye. God's spirit is available. It's a promise for you and your children. Amen. Amen. God wants to fill you. God will fill you. If you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, please reach out to God and let him fill you with the Holy Ghost. He wants to. He doesn't live in this building. When we turn off the lights, he wants to live inside you through the baptism of his spirit. And he doesn't want it just to be an experience around this altar. He'll walk with you and be with you. But you can resist him. You can resist the spirit of God. God was dealing with them. God was talking to them. God was drawing them. God was desiring to work. Stephen, this is the thing that we got to recognize. Sometimes it's tough because we look at the things naturally and we know... We can be very difficult. We can be hard on ourselves, let me say. But the fact of the matter is, God uses people like you and me. People that are imperfect. People that are just, you know, you're just a a man like me, preacher. I'm glad we finally figured out the basics. Can we get out of the sandbox of the kindergarten and start doing something for God? Never said I was anything, but God will use people who have stumbled and failed. Brother was talking about David and God uses people. Amen. And God works through people. Hallelujah. And so often, well, people come and say, well, I don't I don't I don't like the the music. There's something more that you don't like. That spirit of God trying to knock on your heart's door. Well, I don't I don't like I feel uncomfortable because of people. They're so friendly. I don't know what to do with that. Everybody's just so happy. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you want to go to the first church of the miserable somewhere? I mean, what are you looking for? I'm just not comfortable. You know what Samuel said? Samuel was up all night praying because they said, Samuel, we want a king. And he said, God, this is messed up. They're, 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 they're making a mistake. And what did I do? And God said to Samuel, you, they're not rejecting you. That's right. They're rejecting me. Right. They stoned Stephen. They killed him that day. Amen. Stephen wasn't their enemy, but he hit the nail on the head when he said, you're resisting the spirit of God. God will knock. Brother said about about I can't make you and God won't. God will knock. God will God will God will chase after you, but he he will not force you. People are resisting God. They're 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 they'd rather be with the enemy they're comfortable with there that they know. Than the unknown right. promise of blessings and yes, Peter said, "Look at look at uh, Acts nine. 
Acts 9 talks about Saul. Because what you're going to find out is at this stoning of Stephen, there was a man named Saul. A lot of different conversations have been had about what his his place of participation was in the stoning of Stephen. It just says he was consenting unto his death. He was agreeing unto it, and he was watching the coats. But somewhere along the line, somewhere behind the scenes, Saul builds up an animosity toward the church. And it says in Acts 9, Saul yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples, the Lord went to the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that he, if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So Saul begins to wreak havoc against the church, right. threatenings and slaughter. And it says, as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus. Suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. One small thing I want to point out that we say so often, Jesus is identifying himself with those that are being persecuted. When someone hurts you, Jesus takes it personally. When someone afflicts you, when someone comes against you, Jesus says, why are you doing this to me? But also, it gets to the point of what we're saying. It wasn't the the people he was persecuting that he was angry with. Look what he says. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now, We've talked about this before. The carts that they had or the plows that they had when they used these big, huge animals with such strength that one kick could, could just cripple you or, dis- or kill you or destroy your property. They would put these goads, they called them. They were sharpened rods, and, and it would teach those that they would not uh, kick more than once because if you kicked against it, you'd hurt yourself. So they use these things to kind of keep their animals in line and have them not uh, kick and hurt them or destroy their, their, uh, their plow. And Jesus says, doesn't it hurt when you're kicking against the goads? You know, I'm in your life and I know what you're doing. Somewhere along the line, was it at Stephen's stoning? We don't know. Where that anger against the church rose up in him. But he saw something on Stephen's face as he died. He saw something that he didn't have in all of his religious ways. The Bible says as they snuffed the life out of that young man, he looked up to heaven and he had the innocence of like an an angel on his face. There was peace on that man as he died. Saul saw something, felt something, experienced something when he saw the church that he knew he didn't have. And like Cain sought to slay Abel. He sought to slay the church. He sought to lock them up and prove they have nothing. Prove he's got what he spent his whole life learning and, 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 and trying to, to be more under, have more understanding than anybody else about the law and serving God and be so zealous. But they had something he didn't. And God was whispering in his ear, you can have it. Right. You can have this, Saul. You can have this. You can be one of them. And he fought against it. 
he resisted Amen. the spirit. Yes, sir. That's why we need prayer warriors in the church. That's why we need people that can not only intercede before the service, but also be invested in the service because there is a warfare going on. We're looking at the natural. Sometimes we see people and it hurts. Oh, did I say the wrong thing? Did I do the wrong thing? It doesn't give us an out to be reckless. We need to be careful. These are souls, but, but there's a spiritual battle going on. God's saying, you know, this is what you need. God's saying, I, I come unto me. I'll give you rest. And, and, and they, people fight and fight and fight. They resist the Spirit of God. Saul had been resisting God all along, but God got a hold of him finally, and God used him in a great way. Yeah. Now, I don't believe there's ever a time we can see in Saul's life where he said, Ah, I can't believe I gave all that up. Right. You know what he says? We can turn to it. I believe it's in the book of Philippians. I count it all dung. Right. Amen. Amen. Everything I had, I look back and I think, look at where I was and look at what God gave me. Look at how blessed I am. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. I want to spend a little bit of time in this and we're not going to maybe maybe we'll continue it uh, next week, Lord willing. But Ephesians four. There's something else here. Let me mention this as we get to Ephesians 4. A lot of times over the years, people ask questions. I'm not going to answer every question today, of course, but very troubling scripture talks about blaspheming the spirit. Right? right? Yes, sir. Pretty serious. Of a lot of thoughts that I have about this, because there's not a lot that's given to us in the Bible. I believe it is the end, really, of a progression of resisting the Spirit. Because when somebody gets to a point where God is trying to show them, I'm real, here's my power, here's my miracles, that's all to give God glory. Amen. Amen. More than anything, it's to shine forth and say, hey, look, God is real and he cares about you. And when you resist and resist and resist and you get to the point where you resist and you say, there's nothing to that. That's just the devil. They, they, I, they resist. They know they see God working so much. But instead of giving God glory, they start criticizing, condemning and tearing it down. It's dangerous to resist God that much. That you actually blaspheme him. It's almost like you're just shutting the door and saying, no longer do I want the spirit of God bugging me anymore. Is that why it's unforgivable? Because they have just said, listen, leave me alone. And God says, I believe in the mercy of God that goes past the boundaries that he's even set for himself. And I can show you that in the scripture. That's not just me taking something out of context. I can show you where God says, this is it. I'm done. And, the, and then Jonah says, I knew you weren't done. <laughs> don't send me to tell them they're done when they're not done. You don't mean that. So I know God's mercy endures forever. Ephesians 4 verse 24. A lot of good things here. And that you put on the new man, 
which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. That it may minister grace to the hearers. What's all this have to do with the Spirit? Well, very practical application of walking in the Spirit. Do good. Be good. Amen? But look what it says. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. You can resist the Spirit of God. You can grieve the Spirit of God. Whereby... Ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. One of the attributes of God's spirit working in you is that it will seal your vessel. Now, there's a lot of really neat application from the Old Testament about open vessels and how they get unclean when something unclean comes in the room. Amen. But if that vessel is sealed, amen, the contents can remain clean and not unclean. There's a lot of unclean things in the atmosphere these days. Amen. There's a lot of spiritual darkness, a lot of temptation, a lot of sin, a lot of, a lot of garbage that is just around you. And you can go through your life and say, I don't want any part of that. And after a while, it starts to influence you. The spirit of God will seal you to the day. It'll protect you. It'll keep you from the influence that's all around you. But as amazing as that principle is, it's connected with the idea, don't grieve it or your seal can be broken. Right? Right? See, if God's spirit is sealing you and he's walking with you and he's protecting you, and then you start practicing things and living things, making decisions of things that grieve him, that word grieve is just simply sadden him break his heart sin that he paid for sin that he took to the cross and died to show you how much he loves you and to walk with him and act like oh it's no big deal anymore no big deal no big deal the cross that paid the price to deliver you from sin no big deal don't grieve the spirit of god I think if we are honest with ourselves, and I hope we are, that, but it's hard, to, it's hard and it's sad to see so many people living lives today saying they love God with all their hearts and, and calling themselves followers of Christ Christian. Amen? Yeah. They have no clue that the fact that, you know, if God is walking with you, walking in you, that you can grieve him. Yeah. We got this idea. He's just kind of this, ah, yeah, no problem. (laughs) I don't care. Go ahead. Do anything. Doesn't bother me. Oh, that slipped out. No big deal to me. Oh, yeah. And all our our filth and all our old habits. Oh, I cleansed you from that. Oh, come on. We're buddies. Doesn't bother me. You're not going to offend me at all. Come on now. He's still a holy God. Say, brother, I'm not perfect. You saying I'm not perfect? Never said that. But I am saying that our attitude towards sin 
ought to be one that we desire to be sanctified. We desire to walk with him and say, God, isn't there something better? It ought to affect us. You know, if I'm if I'm walking somewhere with my wife and I'm saying I love her with all my heart and and I feel like she just not she's not very comfortable here. That should affect me if I do love her. It should matter to me. Amen. Hey, well, I'll tell you what, this is just what I like. Well, we're one flesh now. That's what I I made a covenant for. So now I have to recognize, listen, if I'm if you're my friend and I want to I want to make sure that I don't put you into some kind of situation. Amen. We bring Jesus with us. We ought we got to realize we can grieve the spirit of God. Amen. I don't think listen, I'm not saying that it's, uh, you know, oh, I, I just, you know, that people just just backslide right away without hope, without help. No, God knows how to chasten us and in love. He wants to he doesn't want us to, to be shipwrecked and. He wants to bring us back. He'll do whatever he can. He'll speak to us with that still, small voice. He'll bring conviction, prick our hearts. If he has to chase us, he will. But ultimately, if we just continue on a path and say, you know, no, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I don't even think about God's not happy or pleased with what I'm doing with his temple. Isn't it his temple? What's it say in 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter? First Corinthians six, verse 15. Well, let's go to verse. Let's just go to verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know, sometimes as a dad, I I understand I'm, you know, my children are grown and they're not, uh, it's just not um, always that I can just say, hey, stop that. Right. <laughs> You're not allowed to do that. Yeah. Go to your room. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you what, when I see them making bad decisions, it breaks my heart. Right. That should be for any friend let alone a father or a mother. It hurts. Yes, sir. I know where that leads. Some of the things that I know I've learned the hard way myself. Yeah. Don't you think God feels the same way? Of course he does. Yes, sir. Amen. He talks about in verse 15 that, we, that your bodies are members of Christ. And then if I take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot, for God forbid. Yes, he talks about fornication and what you do with your temple and before that, just a whole list of things that he says from verse 9 to 11 to, that we ought to flee. If you back up, I'm, I'm going to just read it, but we're in Ephesians 4. If you back up from where we read, it talks about those who are past feeling, giving themselves over to lasciviousness, to, do, to work all uncleanness with greediness. 
Wow. What is that? That's someone who has grieved the spirit of God so many times that after a while they don't feel that pricking of their hearts. If you take a pin and continue to, to prick your finger in the same place for a while, it will build up a callus and people have calloused hearts. Where God's saying, I want, to, I want to help you. I want to bless you. And you can callous over your heart. And the Bible says they are past feeling and now gave themselves over to lasciviousness. Right. To work all uncleanness and with greediness. What I want now, not what God wants. All right. yes, sir. Those of us that are filled with the Spirit need to take heed that we don't grieve God's Spirit. We nurture that relationship with God. We consider, God, you're good to me. I'm better because of you. You love me. You have blessed me. And you know what? Every time I've argued with you and said, I know better, I found out I didn't. (laughs) That you had what was best for me. So, you know, when I tend to do that, God, just don't let me harden my heart against you. I don't want to grieve your spirit. See, because God will, we, we, just love being able to tell people that are so excited about living for God. Just keep on going. It's going to keep getting better and better and better. God's going to keep on loving you and you're going to see your own life exceeding abundantly above all you ever asked or thought. All your dreams and everything you thought. God's got something so much better in store for you. He does. These great testimonies, you just feel it. You see the life that's, that's so blessed. Amen. Why would we grieve him? Why would we say, no, I want my will, my way, that's it. When God's got so much more for us. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Sister Katie's going to come to the music. Let's just reach out to God. This life is a life filled with him. With Jesus. Jesus told them about the spirit that would come in the book of John. About that comforter that would come in John 14. And he looks at them and says, I'm with you, but I will be in you. Oh, thank you, Lord. This relationship that we talk about so often. It means, God, I want you to help me. I want you to lead me. I want you, Lord, to teach me. I don't want to grieve you. I want to, I want to know you. This altar's open. Why don't you come pray? Thank God for these that are just Obey God. It's a spirit that makes you alive.
shine a little light. I believe he does that all over the world. Shines a little light. But it's up to us to respond. It's up to us to say yes. And I believe it's up to us to continue just to let him teach us, lead us, help us day by day. Let him. He'll, he'll show. He'll show you just how, how good he wants to be. How much he wants to bless you. If you reach out to him, he'll, you'll find he was already reaching out to you. Wanting to take you to be his child. And to help you be more than you ever thought you could be. Fulfilled, blessed, satisfied in him. God's so good. Let's all stand. Father, thank you again for your presence here today. Thank you for everything you have we have heard and felt today. Thank you for, Lord, all you're doing. God, bless each one here today, God, and just walk with us. Guide us, lead us, Lord, for your glory. We love you. Keep us protected and safe as we travel. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.